Hello, everyone. Let's just give a kind of happy greeting to everyone in our Mountain family at all of our different campuses at our Edgewood, Bel Air, and Abingdon, and Mountain Road online. Just as I'll say hello and welcome to everybody. Kind of everybody say hello to everybody else. Glad you're with us. Hey, uh, before we get started, I want to tell you about something kind of cool. I think you'll like it. Uh, we're, we're in this series, Unleash Love, right? And in a couple of weeks, we culminate this series. And we were planning this thing, and it's like going to be a, a fun time where we're going to have a lot of celebration in two weeks from this weekend. And we said, well, we just want as many people there as possible. How do we do that? And we got to thinking. We came up with a crazy idea. I think you're going to like it. Here it is. Two weeks from today, um, everybody who attends any mountain campus, any service, gets a cool T-shirt like the one I'm wearing, the Only Love T-shirt, absolutely free if you come on that weekend. So there you go. Uh, we think it's kind of a, a, a cool idea, like bobblehead weekend at Camden, but you get to, you know, it's like t-shirts or whatever. And here's the cool thing. There's some friends that just love Mountain so much and believe in Unleash Love so much that they've donated all the funds so that they provide a t-shirt for everybody. So, uh, but you got to be here to get it, and it's only that weekend. So that's the thing. That's the deal. So uh, December 1, 2, and 3, if you come back Monday night, uh, no double dipping. Uh, just kidding. Okay, so that's, uh, that's that. That's that. And... Um, I think it's cool to think about how the t-shirts are going to get worn all over the place and uh, they're going to be good conversation starters and opportunities to begin discussions about, hey, what's that? Tell me about that. Or invitations can and follow and who knows as you talk about the Lord and whatever else. So, okay. So, and speaking of Unleashed Love, that's, that's where we're focusing here for a few weeks just to kind of uh, bring it in. Let me begin with a question for you. Um, I think every one of us needs to be asking this question, where, where is God calling me, or how is God calling me to unleash love right now, in this season of your life, you know, uh, where, how is God calling me to unleash love? This assumes that you're going to be able to hear from God. So I encourage you to be listening. We're going to open God's Word, and I'm, we're going to create some space today. But to know the answer to that question, you've got to hear from God on that. And the second thing that goes along with it is you've got to be ready to do something when you hear it. How's God calling you to unleash love? Listen. Respond. Of course, it begins, the whole idea of unleash love begins with God. God, God created, God loved, especially the people, and then our rebellion and our pushback against God created this sin sickness in the world, and it has screwed up everything and everyone, and now we live in this separated brokenness from God. And so God decides to do something about it. And the Old Testament is the story of him calling a people and preparing the soil and sending messengers until he does this radical thing and drops this bomb of love, if you will, onto the world. And the shock effects, the radiation of that, of that is still impacting us today. When he sent his son Jesus, that was how God unleashed love. John 3.16 says it clearer than any place in the Bible. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, Philippians 2 is a place in the Bible that reminds us of something important. It reminds us that it was a big deal for Jesus to leave the comfortable place he was in heaven to come be with us. It says in Philippians 2 that he was kind of enjoying, if you will, a sort of comfortable status and place with the Spirit and the Father there. Uh, but, but listen, here's the principle. The love of God is always stronger than the draw of comfort. The love of God is always stronger than the draw of comfort. 
And so Jesus, the text says in Philippians 2, he did not consider equality with God. He didn't consider his status, his comfort zone, as something to be grasped or clung to at every cost. But instead, he gave it up and he came among us. Because when God's love is unleashed like that, it always moves away from the comfortable place and always moves toward people. And so Jesus climbed down into our world and everywhere he went, every day, right, he unleashed love. Did he not? So he's the guy that everywhere he went, he, he was loving outcasts and noticing people that others didn't notice and caring for people that nobody cared for and holding children on his laps and even the Gentiles, the pagan outsiders, Jesus loved them and it cost him dearly. In fact, they put him to death and then God raised him up again and said, love is more powerful than death. And so Jesus comes back, ascended, and he's meeting with his disciples. Uh, he's risen from the dead before he ascends and he's meeting with his disciples. He says, guys, there's something I want you to understand before I go. And he describes this to them. John 20, 21, he says this. As the Father sent me, so now I am sending you. In the same way that I was sent to unleash love, you need to continue that mission. That's what disciples do. In the same way that I had to leave something that was comfortable, and I, instead of clinging to it, at all costs, I let it go and demonstrated that the love of God is more powerful than our desire for comfort, so I am sending you. So you see, as we say around here, when, when we talk about unleashed love, we're not talking just about the love of Jesus coming to you. We're talking about letting it flow through you. And when it does that, it's going to push you outside of some comfortable place. How is God calling you to unleash love? It's going to look more like that. So we've been kind of working now um, through the book of Acts. We started last week. We covered a lot of territory in chapters 1 and 2. And I want to continue that surge today. And one thing we notice in this book of Acts, which is, again, this sort of sequel to Luke's gospel where he says this is the continuing work of Jesus in our lives. One of the first things you'll notice is that this same movement where God sent Jesus, kind of pushed him out of heaven, if you will, sent his son out of the confines of a comfortable place in order to unleash love, that same activity continues now through God's people, just as Jesus said. Remember in Acts chapter 1, the disciples come and they say, okay, Jesus, is now the time? What, are you going to restore a national kingdom to Israel? Or what's going on? And Jesus kind of says to them, you know, I came, uh, I've been among you, and I'm going to come back. But in between times, right now, here's what I want you to do. And, and he's talking to them and he's talking to us because we still live in that in between time between Jesus' first and second coming. Here's what he says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus is saying he's still going to be with us. To do what? Why? And you will be my what? Witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It may help to kind of see that on a map. So let me show you a map. This is what Jesus is talking about. They're down here in the capital district of Jerusalem when he's saying this. That's where they're all gathered. Jesus is beginning by saying, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power to do stuff. I'm sending you, but start right where you are. Friends, listen. 
Are you being a witness for Jesus Christ? Are you unleashing love right where God has you right now? That's where you start, in your Jerusalem. But he goes on to say, not just Jerusalem, but then you see this radiating effect in Jerusalem. And then in Judea. Judea is this whole area. It's like a region, like a state, if you will, a wider region. Because God's going to sort of move you into new areas, into new places. And then he says, not just Judea, but also what? Samaria, up here. And Samaria, well, that was, Samaria's were half-breeds. They were, they were thought of to be as dogs. They were despised. They were the enemy. There was ethnic strife. There was hatred. They were the people you don't like. They were, they were the enemies. Bob Goff says, love everybody. And start with the people who creep you out. And this is what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to send you to unleash love, not just here where you are, Jerusalem, but to Judea, a lot bigger sites, and then even to Samaria. Really, Samaria. And you see this outward thrusting push of the Holy Spirit all through the book of Acts. It reminds me of centrifugal force. You remember that from science class, you guys? Come on, centrifugal force, you got it? I'm a real science expert, you know, you need me to explain this to you? I could put an equation up for you and kind of show you, but it's, it's too complex. I drew it on a napkin this morning, but you don't. Even if you don't understand the equation of centrifugal force, you, everyone has experienced it if you've ever been on a merry-go-round, right? Remember when you were kids, you're on the merry-go-round, whirling around like that? The person in the inside, he's fine, he's holding on to that post. But then the bigger the merry-go-round, right, and the more mass and velocity, and that thing starts spinning around. If you're on the outside, you're this dude, it's like all of a sudden you're going to hold on, the force is greater and greater until all of a sudden, da, what? And the person on the outside goes flying through the air if you're going fast enough on the merry-go-round. And this, this is what God does all through the book of Acts, and it's what he continues to do in our lives today. Where you just want to hold on and stay comfortable and keep your life all ordered and in control. But the Holy Spirit starts whirling with things and messing with things sometimes and start moving things around because God's love is always more powerful than what? Comfort. To put it more theologically, when you're sitting on your tush, God's going to give you a push. If you're comfortable and complacent in your life right now, okay, it's probably a good sign that God's got some designs for you to be useful in unleashing love. You will be my witnesses, it says. And I think what that means is, in the Greek, it means you and me. And witnesses. To be a witness means to simply tell the story of what God's doing in your life. You don't need to be a judge. You don't need to be a jury. You don't need to give a verdict. You don't need to be a prosecuting attorney. All you need to be is a witness, which means you just say, here's what happened. Here's what I saw. This is what, G- this is what God is doing in my life, which one of the reasons this might be uncomfortable for some of us is because, or difficult or, or uneasy for us, and like a push is because some of our stories with God are past tense and we need a, a current fresh story and the way that he might be calling you right now is to renew your relationship with him. So you can be a witness, so you have a story to tell, so you can invite someone into that. And maybe one of the ways it'll be uncomfortable and this thrust will, you'll feel is that you'll, you'll be invited to cross barriers just like Jesus did. Cross barriers to, to actually approach people who are kind of messy because of their life circumstances or people who are difficult or different to be around for you, people who are of a different ethnic or racial makeup that you're not familiar with or comfortable or know what to, to do around or people who have a different gender or orientation or lifestyle or those, those people who are so religious or those people who are so obnoxious and annoying in different ways 
They make so much money. Ugh. Or they're so poor. Ugh. Person who talks like that. Person who turns your stomach. Those young people, those oldsters, those liberal Democrats, those Trumpy Republicans. Even Steelers fans need the love of Jesus. <laughs> Somehow. If you're sitting on your tush, I promise you God's going to give you a push. Because the love of God is always stronger than our desire for comfort. And it's always going to move us toward people. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And you see this all through the book of Acts. You see it in Acts 3. You see it in Acts 10. You see it. You see, okay, so move up to chapter 7. Chapter 7, you've got some things happening here. Stephen is brought before the religious leaders. The Jewish leaders did not like what they were hearing about this upstart Jesus movement. They thought they were disrespectful to the traditions. And so Stephen says, well, here's the deal. You killed Jesus, but God raised him up. It's good. And here's what you need to do. And they didn't like it, and they killed him. He's the first Christian martyr. All of a sudden, things got real. But God used the blood of those early martyrs like seeds that blew and planted to grow the church. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. A great wave of persecution began that day, the day that Stephen died. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, where they were. And all the believers, except the apostles, were what? Scattered. Scattered. That's what Jesus told them to do, was scatter. Well, they got scattered now. And where'd they go? Of all places, Judea and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? Remember Acts 1.8? Go, get scattered, and go to Judea and Samaria. They said, got it. But they didn't go anywhere. And then they started killing them. And then they're like, I'm going now. And where'd they end up? Judea and Samaria. God uses the discomfort of this terrible circumstance for His glory and His purpose. If there's something that's uncomfortable in your life, where's God in it? Maybe He's trying to use it to move you where you need to be. That's how He does it. He's trying to push us off our tush. When God wants to use you in a powerful way, it's usually in a period of discomfort. Show me someone in the Bible or over the last 2,000 years of Christian faith who, who God used in a big way to unleash love or to do His will who is comfortable while doing it. I can't name anyone. God uses the pricks and the prods and the pushes to allow even the difficult life circumstances to get us whirling around, whirling around until the centrifugal force of His Holy Spirit nudge is going to fling us off and we're like sailing like, wah, we know we're out of control, it's scary, but you land in places you never would have landed. You go places you never would have gone. You do things you never would have done. It's like I joined a small group. I can't believe it. I was scared to death. I would, I, they're kind of weird, but I like them and it's good. I'm growing. It's like that's the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting someone to church. I'm having a conversation with someone that I never thought I'd have a conversation with about God. I started a ministry that used to terrify me. I'm tithing 10% of my income back to the Lord. I'm going to go on a mission trip. I don't know what it is, but if you hold on, you're going to miss it. So let it just fling you. Push you off your tush. Eight, Acts 8, verse 4 and 5. The believers who were scattered, there it is again, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Well, that was the command. Here's how God fulfilled it. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. Well, isn't that interesting? And he told the people there about the Messiah. A little bit later, in verse 26, it says this about Philip. Since he was over in Samaria, God had another job for him. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south now to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, so a high-ranking official, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, that's a title, uh, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. So he's on his way back, this high official, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he's reading a Jewish uh, book, but he doesn't really know, he's not Jewish or anything like that. So here's Philip, okay, he sees this African dude from Ethiopia, and so we know he's not a Jew, so that's strange to Philip, okay? He's from Ethiopia, African, probably wearing a strange hat or clothes or something. That's strange to Philip. He's a black guy. That's probably strange to Philip. He's taking all that in, and then God just starts spinning the the merry-go-round of his Holy Spirit, centrifugal force, working on Philip, working on Philip, working on Philip, and sort of flings him. God says, go talk to him. Acts 8, 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and Walk along beside the carriage. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you sometime. You're going to feel a nudge inside of you. You're going to feel the centrifugal force of God pushing you out of a comfort zone. So do you respond? How do you respond to that when that happens? It's a really important question. Verse 30. says, Philip ran. You ran over. He's like, you responded to that. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip starts a conversation. Do you understand what you're reading there? He ran. Quick obedience. Someone said delayed obedience is not obedience at all. If you delay it, then the nudge is going to go away, and you missed it. Think of what we've missed because we don't respond to God saying, go talk to him. Verse 31, the man replied, well, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? And so... He invited Philip to come on up into the, into the chariot with him. So he said, come on in. He opens the car door and he, got, and he gets on in. And the next thing you know, they're having a conversation in there. And the conversation unfolds and he tells them the good news about Jesus. Philip was apparently wearing an Unleashed Love t-shirt. Good things happen. And the unique eunuch responds, yeah, I want all that for myself. I want to have a relationship. With, why can't I get baptized and get started on my relationship with, with Jesus? And Philip says, you can. And they get out of the chariot. Now they go down and they get baptized. His life was completely changed. Why? Because Philip listened to the Holy Spirit voice and the God nudges that he had inside of him and that Holy, strip, Holy, Holy Spirit centrifugal force that nudged him out there and he got out of his chariot, he got, got out of his comfort zone into that guy's chariot. So here's my question for you. Whose chariot is God nudging you to get into? Someone who maybe is a little bit different than you, a stranger, you never would have thought about it, but it's just like, go talk to him. God's telling you. Go to lunch, have a coffee, open a conversation. You'll be my witnesses. You don't have to argue, convince, or judge. Just be a witness. Follow the promptings of God. Seize those opportunities when they come. Let Him worry about the results. This message, this thrusting and trusting of the Spirit to go where we would not otherwise go, outside of our comfort zone, is repeated all the way through the book of Acts. You see it in chapter 10, where now it's even crossing into the crazy Gentiles. In chapter 13, they're sending out people to start new churches in other places. It's crazy. And this continues into our own day, where Jesus continues to say to you and me, so send I you. Go. So this is why we chose the the words unleash love to describe what we want to be all about a couple years ago. 
because it describes that impulse, that thrusting in our lives. Now, um, we've described around here how unleashed love is both a kind of a noun and a verb, right? It's a noun in the sense that there's this entity, this program, this initiative called Unleash Love. And two years ago, we said, let's pray and give generously and uh, work toward these goals that we can knock out together through Unleash Love. And God's done so much good through that. That's the noun, but there's a verb. And that's why we're wearing the t-shirt well past the next few weeks, because it's a reminder that we're, when, when the program Unleash Love is over, we don't stop unleashing love. It's who we are and what we continue to do. And there's a lot to celebrate as we think about the great things God has done here, there, and everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. That's where that comes from, you know. The ripple effect of God. And last week we highlighted some things that God is doing right here in our mountain family as a whole. We talked about how, you know, we're, we're like over 6,000 people on average on the weekend, 20% growth, and 500 baptisms, and 200 people enrooted, and all these amazing, or 600 people enrooted, all this crazy good stuff. This weekend I want to highlight a couple things that God is doing there there, which is our shorthand way of talking about the push that God keeps giving us to launch new campuses and plant new churches in our Judea and our Samaria here, which is a little further out, right? So let's celebrate a few things. Let's just take some time to thank God for what he's doing, okay? So a few years back, we launched our Bel Air campus. I want to just tell you, Bel Air campus is thriving and jiving, and we love those guys. They're, they relaunched uh, at the Arena Club, this top-notch uh, healthcare fitness center, which gives us an ability to really be in the community in a cool atmosphere right where they are. Just Nathan and Aaron and the Bel Air peeps, we love you. And uh, just to give a big shout-out and thank God for what he's doing at the Arena Club. Lots going on. Okay? Um, Life at our Edgewood campus is good as well right now. The big news there is that we just celebrated our fifth anniversary. Five years, a big blowout party that we had over there. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from the community just showed up. It was such a great day. I loved seeing it. I saw these kids getting on motorcycles and horses for the first time in their life. And just people hanging around and visiting. And just a vibe of warmth and welcome. This hospitality was so palpable, I think it's why we're having so many people who were there on that day come back and start to join into the Edgewood community. They want to be part of what God is doing there, which is very special. So Anthony and Renee and Daryl and the teams at the Epicenter, we thank God for you. We love you, and we love Edgewood. Let's thank God for what he's doing through Edgewood Campus. So... I'm here now broadcasting from our Mountain Road campus, which we haven't usually referred to as a campus, but it is a campus. And while it's our oldest campus, goes back to 1824, um, it's also filled with new things and new life and so many good things going on. One new thing is that uh, we've finally got our own campus pastor so we can kind of click on all cylinders and set goals and do things like the other campuses as well. And we're already seeing fruit from that. So Liz and the Mountain Road Campus and all the people who are part of this thing, we love you and God bless you. Let's thank God for what he's doing right here at the Mountain Road Campus. And of course, about one year ago, God gave us a push to our tush and uh, we, we, have, um, we felt the need to, to launch this brand new campus, and that's when God uh, led us to launch Abingdon, and he provided the space and the people and the leadership through Jared and Sarah Fox and Sarah Willie and others on the team, and it's the biggest, coolest thing that Unleash Love has been able us to do is to launch that campus. Let me tell you a couple things you can celebrate with me, okay? Let me just throw some numbers up for you. A year ago, no mountain presence over there at all. All those people, mo- many of them not going to any church at all. Today, every week, there are over 1,200 people that gather at our, at our Abingdon campus. Fantastic. 
Here's what else I love about that. I love that 500 people have gone through a Welcome to Mountain class, and so far this year, 117 baptisms, and over 200 people enrooted. So let's thank God for what He's doing uh, at our uh, Abingdon campus. You know, the amazing thing is not just those numbers. They, they're important. You know, the book of Acts talks about numbers, but don't forget, numbers, behind the numbers are people and stories of real lives. And I, I want to I just tell you one, just example, sort of typical in a way of what God is doing at the Abingdon campus. You know, Ryan had gone to church a few times as a teenager, but he hated it. Uh, years later, about a year ago, uh, he got a postcard in the mail um, inviting him to be part of a new campus at Mountain near where he lived. And he just felt like somehow God was involved in that, nudging him, telling him he was supposed to go. So he did. And he brought with him uh, his little son uh, that, that they were in the process of trying to adopt, Antonio, who had never been to any church. He brought him with him. He came along too. He says, I walked into Mountain Abingdon campus on opening day, and right away I knew I was home. I instantly felt that this is where God wanted me to be. It was different and fresh, and most of all, I felt welcome. Antonio got plugged in immediately to Mountain Kids, as it has been every single weekend since then. Now, from a different perspective, his wife, Jacqueline, she had been to church a few times when she was a kid, whenever she slept over at her grandma's house, who made her go. And she said it felt so awful and then suffocating. In fact, the main memory she has is just crying the whole time. As soon as she could stop going to grandma's and therefore church, she did. Fast forward to a couple of years ago, married to Ryan, some family friends of theirs lost a 17-year-old son due to a condition. And Jacqueline says, I just wanted to do something to help take their pain away. I, I didn't know what I could do. I couldn't do anything except maybe pray. So every day from that point on, I made sure my family prayed together for this other family. And while this is going on, she and her husband, Ryan, are struggling through a really difficult adoption battle. She said, we just felt like we were on the edge every day for like three years. It was emotionally draining. And even though we had each other, we didn't feel like we were ever going to make it through. And then it happened. My husband, Ryan, comes home and he's telling me about the launch of this new church and he wants to be part of it. And he was excited. She says, I was not. And she said, you go. I'm not going with you. She was afraid. And she said, if I, I can pray on my own, I don't need a church to help me do that. So Ryan came with Antonio. Of course, he came back all pumped up and awed and inspired and said, you got to come back. Begged her and begged her and begged her. And finally, she, Jacqueline came back. And she says, I knew I was home. It's not just God's house. Mountain is warm and welcoming and vibrant. And I learned something about myself the very first day I started attending Mountain. Here I was again crying during the service, just as I did as a young girl. But now I realize the tears were from God's touch. Something I used to run from, now I was ready to run toward. I still cry at almost every service because I know it's God giving me the hug I always needed and desired. It's His warm embrace that makes me tear up. And it's the community of people from all backgrounds and walks of life showing up for the same thing. Now, she says, I get it. And our lives have changed dramatically. So they attended Welcome to Mountain a few weeks after uh, they started going. And Ryan made the decision to be baptized. He started serving in a ministry, and Antonio serves with him every weekend. And then a few weeks later, Jacqueline came forward, and Ryan baptized his wife, 
Jacqueline, gave her a big hug, and they're on their way, and they've got so many more stories of how God helped them through struggles and difficulty and financial times and the relationships, and Antonio is thriving and flourishing. And she just said, through that all, we were about right wits end with this adoption. Our energy shifted. We began to feel confident. We realized it was the power of prayer. No question about it. We had this new extended family praying for our situation and for our strength, and it was one of the most uplifting and empowering experiences of my life, and I'm thrilled to tell you that on June 14th, they officially welcomed Antonio into their family, and the adoption process was finalized. So there you go. Listen, friends, aren't you glad God led us to unleash love by launching that Abingdon campus? I'm so glad. I'm so glad. When we talk about here and there and everywhere, part of the there is not just launching campuses of mountain, but also planting new churches. Planting brand new churches all over the Baltimore, D.C. area is our primary target. Churches like Mountain with our similar DNA, but that are autonomous and independent. And I just want to show you, over the last two years, Mountain's been able to partner together to, to plant five new churches. So here we go. Here's what it looks like. Front Porch Church right here on York Road. Um, uh, United Church in Owings Mills. Encounter Church in Columbia Heights. And Collective Church in Frederick. You saw the video at the offering time. And uh, the Delaware Christian Church in Wilmington with Marcos Mercado. So Front Porch Church, uh, an amazing thing. Uh, you might remember uh, uh, when Andy McNeely was here from Front Porch Church. He grew up here at Mountain. And here's a picture of Andy actually um, baptizing somebody at their brand new church plant with his dad who's also a mountain guy. And then uh, Collective Church, that's the one over in Frederick with, with all those uh, couple hundred people there every weekend. Encounter Church. Delaware Church and United Church. Okay, United Church, I want to tell you about this. Several mountain people went to be part of that plant, and uh, Tamara Monroe uh, was one of those, one of those mountain girls, and uh, we asked her just to kind of share with us an update, uh, and so I'd like you to watch the screen. My name is Tamara Monroe, and I had been attending Mountain for uh, a good little while, probably started around high school. I was in Spain as a missionary, a little over a year ago when I decided that I wanted to come back to Maryland and move to Owings Mills to help launch United Church. I just committed to kind of praying for him and was really excited for him. He ultimately just asked me, is this something you'd want to come back and be a part of? I think there's really two burdens that kind of brought me and to be a part of this launch team for this church. The first reason is really just to be able to share the kind of hope, love, and community that I experience here at Mountain with people in Owings Mills who may not have something like that to experience. So the second burden was really this uh, desire that I think God has been cultivating in me to see the multi-ethnic church, the multicultural church, and especially in this time, being able to be the church that God has called us to be across all sorts of lines of division and barriers and really loving one another. That's the most beautiful thing. And there's such a unique opportunity in this community to experience that and show that to others. And there's just no better time than this for that kind of radical love to be on display. Celebrating our one year has been really a surreal experience. We said that we came to this area um, for the 160,000 people in like a five mile radius uh, around Owings Mills that 
didn't know God and weren't connected to any church. And we wanted them to experience the love and the hope um, and to have a place to call home. This uh, even makes me think of a woman who decided to drag her two sons kind of reluctantly <laughs> to coming to uh, our launch. And now they are crazy about serving in church and they are oftentimes the first ones to arrive hours ahead of their mom because they're getting up early to serve and that's why we came, that's why we're here. Unleashing Love is really about where your heart is. In my life, I've experienced um, love unleashed on me just earlier this year when my dad passed away suddenly and my mountain family along with my United family kind of came together to help make meals for my family. Um, to help with funeral arrangements, and just to make sure that we were okay. That is really what Unleashing Love is about. It's about showing up for people, um, reminding them that they're important, that they matter, um, because they matter to God. I'm grateful for Mountain uh, Unleashing Love by supporting United through prayers and financially. Um, it's because of mountain really unleashing love that uh, we get to do what we're doing today in Owings Mills um, and people get to really experience um, the love of God. Yeah, that's good stuff. I don't know, I, I never get tired, <clears throat> never get tired of, of hearing a story about some new thing that God is doing to reach new people and I hope you don't either. There's just so much more to do. Hope you don't get tired of it. Galatians 6, 9, uh, Paul says to his friends there, good words for us. He says, let's, let's not get tired of doing good. Let's not stop. Let's not let up. At just the right time, we will, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So mountain, I'm calling you, don't give up. Don't let up. Don't even ease up your foot off the gas. But let's continue to show up and to put up the kind of hours and prayers and generosity it takes to keep doing good in the name of Jesus as we unleash love, okay? Let me give you one concrete way that everybody can participate in unleashing love, and that is if you would plan now to give the most generous year-end December offering you can give to unleash love because we have some things that we can do on this caliber that can do so much good. Let's not get tired of doing good. So a couple years ago, we began this with a huge December, and it allowed us to get off out the gate with that Abingdon campus, and we're hoping we can do the same thing to wrap up Unleash Love this December to knock out some things. I want to tell you three things we're hoping that we can do. Number one is to update the kids' space at three of our four campuses. We had hoped to put in, as a part of Unleash Love, updated a space to all of our kids' space. We got it done at Abingdon, and there's some pictures here to show you how cool it is and what it looks like. It just screams, we love kids, and it welcomes, and it just creates a conducive environment, and we didn't, we didn't have funds for the other three campuses, but I'm hoping we can knock that out. Second, our offering will go to strengthen our online service. 
Unleash Love got us started with online service, and we're already reaching hundreds, and it's growing rapidly, and it's making a great impact, but we need to upgrade the technology to improve that worship experience so it's more interactive, so we can connect with people at a personal level and help them to take steps in their faith rather than just observing as a spectator. And it's going to cost some funds to do that. And we think it's visionary and good to do. And then last, you remember, uh, we were able to send for two years Pat and Katie Gerber and their daughter Hannah uh, to Missions of Hope International in the slums of Kenya, Nairobi to minister to those kids. And they're doing great things and we love them to death. Um, But their two years is up. They're ready to go back for two more years and they need our help to get them there. So that's what this Unleashed Love will be for. So if we have a December to remember, it will be because we gave generously and um, with a kind of spirit of unleashing love and able to knock these things out, which I think will have far-reaching impact. So I want to plant that seed for you. And I want to bring it back by just asking you the question I began with. In light of this and in light of the nudges that the Holy Spirit inevitably gives as you feel the centrifugal force in your life, ask that question, how is God calling me to unleash love? How is God calling me to unleash love? Let me pray. God, we thank you that Jesus didn't linger in heaven comfortable but he came and we thank you that that love doesn't just come to us but now you want it to go through us help us to see how where when to whom help us to know what chariot to climb into help us to hear your nudges your spirit's voice and then to to run to do it pray this in the name of Jesus Amen.